And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. Thanks again for joining me today. I am sitting down with Kenny Ishanu, who is the founder of Lion Marketing Agency. They're a full-service marketing agency dedicated to helping medium and large businesses achieve success and growth. Um, His company has been awarded top marketing agency in Ontario in 2018 and 2019 by uh, the Canadian or Canada Business Awards. Uh, Henny has also received top 40 under 40 for his success with the marketing agency and his community work with youth development, another uh, hometown hero. So he's, uh, he's in Toronto right now. Um, maybe when uh, everything's over, we can do like a face-to-face. <laughs> oh, for the time being, man, I appreciate you joining me on Zoom. It's really no nice problem. to have you. No problem. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, you know, you're, uh, you, you, you have, you're 24. It's relatively young. Um, you have some successes, some top 40 under 40, uh, you know, award-winning marketing agency. What's your background? What's your story? Where did you come from? Did you mean to do this purposefully, accidentally? What's, uh, what's going on? Uh, well, so my background is quite funny. Um, so basically, I came into Canada when I was eight. So I was, I'm an immigrant. And um, having an immigrant uh, parents was not the easiest job to have in Canada. And being that, we only had two to three job choices, honestly. And it was either to be a doctor, engineer, or a lawyer as those were the most secure jobs we can get. So I was always good in school for those reasons. And I went into university thinking I'm going to be this hotshot lawyer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to crush uh, law school and get uh, to become a lawyer because I'll secure a job. And then about three years into university, while also I applied for LSAT, I did my LSAT, applied to law school. I was this close to going into law school. But what really happened was I was like, is this something I really want to do for the rest of my life? Is this something that is going to make me happy, honestly? And entrepreneurship was never in my view at all at this time. It was just there. I always had that business uh, mindset that I've always wanted to push, but I never went for. So I said in my third year summer, I was like, hey, let me tap into this and see if there's something there for me. So my third year summer, I started just watching YouTube and Google searching what's what's popular in this industry. And I've always enjoyed sales or just being with people and interacting with those. 
So I started looking to that and then marketing was also uh, something that was in that uh, realm. So I went into it and social media marketing was popping in 2015, course, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me get my hands in here. And I did. And I had two friends who had business businesses. So I said, Hey, let me try my, my skills on, on your uh, business. And within two to three months, they saw some great success. So I was like, oh, this is some route that I can continue forward. So hence, I did not tell my parents. So this going into my fourth year, I launched my small business while I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, I still will get that certificate from my parents. Uh, even though I don't know where it is right now. I don't even think my parents know where this piece of paper is. But uh, so yeah, I graduated, but in my fourth year, I started just working on it and owning my skills. Um, and I also had three, four jobs to make sure I come out of it with no tuition. So I did that. And then in my after graduating, I went full force into this business, worked alone for over a year on this agency, working with clients, doing the delivery, all of it. And I knew that at that point, I'm going to need people around me to make sure that this business is scalable. So today, as you see, we have over nine staff members and uh, we work with, I mean, I only started with small business owners and helping them uh, become either medium-sized businesses or just owning on their, their service and their product and making sure that it's getting uh, delivered to everyone else. And then basically now it's, we just help medium and large businesses. So that's the story. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting story. Um, is it like you're, you're very much um, a self learner because you don't have any, you know, something I find interesting, uh, a lot of successful entrepreneurs um, yeah. or, or the, 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 the ones that have the highest rate of success are the ones that work in an industry for 10, 15, 20 years. And then they build out a product in an industry where they know there's a problem. That is yeah. not your story at all. By any means, you didn't do that. So, like, how do you how do you self motivate? How do you self drive? How do you know what works, what doesn't? Is it just you're you're you understood social, and you basically just understood there was a need? Like, is there what? Is, how do you build out a social media agency from nothing? I guess is my question. Yeah, I I it's it's quite funny because I tell people I get that question a lot, and I say I think it was just through trial and error, like. I, I, I tell people that people get lucky and at the same time you have to create your own luck. And what I did was I just started to talk to a lot of people in this industry. I think, I know there's one uh, that I look up to, a mentor we've been pretty close, which can be, uh, he's very polarizing, Ty Lopez. Uh, I was one of his first few students again to his social media course. And for that reason, we have that, that connection and he has really helped me craft my skills as, as its own. And uh, we work personally, and that really helped me hone in what I really need to do uh, to take my business to the next level. Um, and that, that also crafted in a way where I knew what would work in this industry and what wouldn't, and really avoid a lot of mistakes that I knew I would have made if I didn't have those mentors. And there was a bunch of them. Uh, Billy Jean is another one that really helped me understand my skills and use those skills to further help uh, business owners. And so that makes sense. Um, you align with mentors, you learn from the people that have done it before, you fill the need, but how do you turn that into an award-winning company, right? Because when did you start this? You were like 20, 2014, what, 2015? Yeah, 2015, yep. So, so three years later, you're winning uh, Canada Business Awards. Um, yeah. It's very impressive. What's What's the strategy to build out an agency so that it's an award-winning agency and not just an agency? 
Great question. So I think one of the great, uh, the first things I did was I identified what my weaknesses were. And I knew that I needed to either hire people or fill those roles in immediately to make sure that uh, we're sustainable. So I knew that uh, sales, being around people and everything around that space was what I'd love to do. The back end, uh, sitting on the computer and making sure everything gets done in the back end, that was something I lacked at. I mean, I can do it, but I just not I did not enjoy what I was doing in those spaces so I need to make sure and luckily uh, a year and a year and a half after I created it um, a great friend of mine was also in the same university but also graduate in engineering didn't want to do anything with it but he was great uh, with the back end stuff so I said hey let's team up and see what we can do with it so we partnered up um, to this day he is the anchor that holds this agency I say that uh, because he he manages the people he makes sure everything gets done while I'm more of the visionary and get, get the doors open for us to uh, meet new clients and make sure that we're uh, progressing in the near, or progressing and continue to grow uh, bigger. And he holds it down. So I think that was the first thing was to identify my weakness and make sure that I fill them. And also being okay with having a partner. You're not alone in this and making sure that you're able to do that and finding the right partner. Um, and we also got a business coach who really helped us because during our first uh, meeting, he literally made us do a personality test individually and shared the, uh, the results with us and we were polar opposites. And that's when we knew we were in sync. Um, I know, again, partnership is a hot topic and people, I go one side or the other. I'm a huge pro for partnership. It's helped our, our business leverage it a lot much better than I could have done alone. So for that reason, create a partner that at the same time, uh, identified what roles we really needed to make sure that we're able to scale the business. So we, we need to add support people. We need to have co copywriters. We need to have content creators, uh, social media managers. And slowly, once we were able to understand what those ro roles are, we're able to create that within our agency and make sure that uh, those roles are filled in and we're working with the clients one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that something else that you've, I don't know if you've done it, consciously yeah. or, or subconsciously is just focus on your own brand as you're as as an entrepreneur building out a brand like top 40 under 40 um that's not something that everybody gets either uh like i mentioned like the awards not everybody wins those awards so these are like you're building out the brand of the agency like you're almost like doing what you're doing for clients for your own company exactly. so i think that you know it, it's funny because i see a lot of individuals that want to build up their brand i see a lot of um multi-million you know bordering on billion dollar companies yeah. who can't who can't market themselves the way that people consume content and I, I would love to know like your thoughts on on what problems companies have like what you know it, it still blows my mind so <laughs> not to diminish not to diminish an agency but it blows my mind yeah. that a, a multi-million dollar company can't figure this shit out on their own and just and like, why do they have to hire an agency to get their marketing right? But I see Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 brands that just totally yeah. miss the mark. And I don't understand why. And I'm curious if you have any ideas as to why people just can't get it right when you're at that level. I think we do. And I think we see it every day is the marketing, I guess, world has changed where before it was all about sales, sales, sales. And now it's about authenticity at the end of the day. It's how a brand can get into those uh, customers' doors and be authentic with them, be real, be honest. Because at the end of the day, people buy things off of how, how they make them feel, right? So if it's a product or service, at the end of the day, it's how you make them feel. And most of these brands are so 
used to that old corporate structure of marketing that they forget that their customers are the right, like they are number one. And if you can't focus on them, then you're not going to scale and your brand is not going to grow. Um, and that's why you see all these small businesses having a huge platform today is because they're able to be more authentic with their customers because they can deal on that one-on-one -on -one relationship with them using their content, whether they're doing paid ads or on the content side, they're able to be authentic and be real with them and share that story with them where all these big corporations, they, they have forgotten the sense of their brand or what their story that they're trying to tell. And that confuses consumers because they can easily go to a small business that they understand and feel great with and purchase their product or service. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that you mentioned something, they, they lose sight of what their story is, like what their origin story is. Yeah. And, and over years, that's why you see like the celebrity CEO or the evangelist having more social clout and more social power than the brand itself. Because that's authentic. That's a person. You can like you can build that relationship with the person, right? Um, how do you how do you so how do you work with clients? Like what? So, say I contact you. I yeah. want I want to build my business. Um, I want to well first of all, like I want to even understand the value add of an agency. Um, yeah. I'm saying like listen, I can go hire people internally. Why would I Why would I hire you? So what's your yeah. What's your playbook for success for you know some of the people you work with? Yeah, so uh, honestly, we have a six-point uh, sales uh, technique that we use uh, to, I guess, bring a prospective client to become a client. And one of those ways is where, again, we're super honest with them, where we introduce ourselves, we'll do a discovery call or something simple, where we identify their problems, what they're having, right? So, oh, I need more sales, so or I need more revenue, I need this and this, whatever their problems are, we identify it right away. And then what we do is we ask them, hey, give us a few days to come back with a solution. And what we do is we'll basically do a full audit of their whole marketing or their online space, what they're doing, what they're missing out, and uh, try to align their problems that they're having with problems that they're doing or mistakes that they're doing on their online space that is affecting them. And we give them this free resource with recommendations on how they can do better. And we give it to them right away. It doesn't cost them a thing at all. So we give them so much value in the beginning so that we can gain a little bit of trust with them. And what makes that different is we'll take them six up to six months to train someone in-house uh, marketing person bring them in teach them all of this and then try to push this out where we tell them hey this is this can get started on day one this is how simple it is we've given them all that value and then we will do um, basically a proposal of what they have identified where we tell them exactly what they should expect from us and within our proposal we include kpis of what uh, the metrics they should be looking for when we start their campaigns and then at the same time, we also tell them that there's no contract with us. We work month to month with you. Uh, we believe that this is a partnership, not something we're trying to abuse or use your money for. And we, we try to also tell them that this is an education platform for you guys. So every week, we actually create 10 to 15 minute videos where we record our, one of our staff records, everything that has happened the week before. We tell them the whole process of what we did. So they're always in tune. And we're also trying to teach them how much value that we're bringing into them. So at the end of every month, they know that they're not just getting a one piece report that shows numbers that they can't understand and expect us to continue to get results, right? So that, is, that has helped us really get in, into doors with all these big clients is because we've been able to give them trust and keep them in the loop at the same time, not feel like they're trapped into a contract that they can't get out of. I, I think that's a very smart way of doing it. I like that. And I've, I've, 
never heard of an agency doing that. Like even the video pieces, like it's, it's, it seems so like, it seems like common sense, like that's something you should be doing, yeah. but because you know, you think if you were a, an employee in an organization and you had to do a project, well, you'd be, you'd be expected to present like the results of, of what you've accomplished. Right. So why would it be any different? So, but I think that the issue with a lot of agencies is that, um, it seems like everybody with a computer says they're a social media <laughs> expert. Yeah. So that's, that's the issue, right? It sort of diluted the whole industry. So when you, it's hard to sort of weed through, and I guess that's where you, you know, you bring in the value piece right up front to do yep. the audit, you show them what's going on, what's not, what's not working. And then that's when they start to build that trust. Um, yeah. and what, what creates like, um, like what is the, if I don't know, it's up to you how deep you want to go into your process, yeah. but I would love to understand what it like you must have some sort of boilerplate for like these are the these are the KPIs that you yeah. know you should be hitting as an organization in 2020 what are those marketing KPIs that an organization should care about yeah so right now if you were to ask me this in January it would have been completely different to what we have today um, right now if it depends if they if it's a client that wants to spend money on ads the KPIs are gonna be much different for someone who wants to have a content strategy of just putting organic content and pushing out and see what they are. But at the end of the day, it's all about shareability. Whether you're doing ads or you're doing organic content, it's how much your content can be shared. Because when it's getting shared, all you're doing is knowing that your, your story, whatever content you've created, is leaving an impact on one individual and making them share with their network. That is the most powerful thing that you can have today. Um, what even if it was in January, I would say more KPIs are more of uh, your ROI in every dollar you spend right now. Even if you don't have that budget to spend on ads, you can also take that time today and create content that is shareable and make sure that people are clicking through and understand what you really are and what you really are there for, whether it's a product or service. And even for service people who can't administer any of their services out because of the quarantine, Tell your story, share DIYs of how, how that person or your customer can do it at home themselves. That, that puts so much effort and so much value in your service because they see how much work you put in that once the quarantine is over, guess what? They're going to be coming back to you and say, hey, I really need your service. I see how much mm -hmm. value you put into your service, right? So those are the things that really KPIs that you need to look for, whether you're doing any side of marketing today. And do you find that there's one, because you mentioned like, you know, we work on social we work mm -hmm. on content, um, the gamut of marketing activities is broad, to yeah. put it lightly. So is there, do you find there's something that is the specific value add that you bring or maybe like any, any really good agency would bring to the table where companies are totally dropping the ball? Like do, do people just not get social, but they really understand content marketing? Like what is the thing that you see is like where there is the most room for people to grow and for people to sort of dominate in, in 2020? Yeah, it's interesting because um, there's so many platforms that are being undervalued and we try to educate our clients with that too. Like new platforms like TikTok, it's a powerful tool, especially for the organic content side where you don't have to wait to have 10,000 followers to put out content and make it go viral where you can literally create an account and make one video and if it's, mo if it's shareable, you are going to go viral and you have a seed right there where you can uh, talk about your brand, whether it's a personal brand or a business. You can talk about it and create content around that, which can take you up to two hours a day. And that's if you're really editing and going all out on it. Or you can just pick up your phone and record something and tell your story about your business or your service. Um, there's platforms like Pinterest that have powerful back end where there, if you're a creative, if, if you're a business or a service that's all around the creative space, 
uh, where everything is about the arts and the visuals, you can literally go on Pinterest in their backend where they even have trainings for the ad accounts or how to launch your own ad campaigns. And you can create campaigns that are so cheap because no one's using it. Um, and there's platforms like YouTube also. I mean, they've been around for a whole while, but their ad space is so, it's so cheap right now because all these big cor corporations have left ever since last year and their big scandal there that it's pennies on the dollar that you can be doing on brand awareness or content awareness about your brand or your service. So those are the things that we, even our clients today or any new incoming that we tell them, it's like, we will help you use these platforms that are underutilized and make sure that you're, you're getting every dollar that's spent properly, not just throwing it at Facebook and hoping it works. Mm -hmm. And is there, is there a formula for that, that viral, that shareable content? that you know, you're saying create stuff that's, that's shareable. It seems to be like easier said than done. Yeah. So with that, with the content, if, you, if you're, uh, we can break it down. So if you are a product, it's um, explain their features and how it solves a problem. So most people have problems. Um, so when they watch a video or they watch content, whether it's a picture or not, they identify problems right away. That uh, fortunately, that's how people are. They, they will identify that problem. But if you don't present the solution in that, content or video they'll leave because they identify but they won't make any connections so if you're if you're a product identify the problems and feature all your solutions in it and then put that content out there if you're a service quite similar but what you're doing is you're showing them that service and how it solves a problem for them right so once you mm -hmm. identify that create that and you can do micro contents there and there um, and again each platform is going to be different where tiktok is going to be vertical videos uh, that's going to do that where on YouTube you can do horizontal, but similar content that goes around. Um, and people are going to share that because you've solved, you help them solve a problem that they had with your product or your service. Even if they don't buy, they just, they helped you share it to a network that might buy it there. Right. So that's important. And that's if you're not spending any money, but if you're doing it on that side, it's so much easier because you know that that content is going straight to potential customers that you know are going to more likely purchase your product or your service in the near future. And so that makes a ton of sense to me. And I've actually heard this from several um, like copywriters for SEO. Like if you want to create a yep. good, uh, if you want to create really good SEO, you're just answering your customers' questions in your blog, right? And that's something that I think I've heard a few times, but um, to be that subject matter expert, to answer the questions on social, it seems so straightforward, but I feel like so much of social is just blasting out your, your thoughts without any like, you know, consideration for what the person receiving it. If you look at Twitter, it's just like, it's like a, like a megaphone of people yelling at each other and no one's being considered, not, not no one, but I mean like the, the average piece of social content is very like me, like, like individual centric. Yeah. So, and even for, even for companies, I think, you know, if I'm, if I pull up somebody's LinkedIn post, I don't think they're solving a ton of problems. Maybe, maybe they put up like a, like a PDF or like a white paper or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's still a lot of like, this is what we're doing. This is what we've done. This is why we're awesome. This is why we're so great. But um, that's, so it's just like, really, you're taking the, the stuff that people are going to the websites for and you're just finding a way to put it on social. And it seems so, again, it seems very simple. But then yep. another thing that I think, uh, and also like your opinion on this would be good, but the, if you put out the content that is answering questions and I see that, now I want to be, I want to be the person that everyone looks to as that knowledge broker, the person who is incredibly smart and found that answer to the question that, so I'm going to be resharing that. 
just a psychological driver, kind of like when I find something funny. Like memes yeah. are highly shareable, right? You find something funny and you want to share it because you want all your friends to think you're funny too. So I think it's the same. I, I'd love your, your thoughts on that. It's great because I think what especially these micro um, communities are doing is they're uh, not micro brands are doing is they're trying to create micro communities within them. Um, and I think all these big corporations are following. Like if you were to look at uh, Burger King or Wendy's on Twitter, they're hilarious because they know that if they don't bring some spice or community vibe into their branding, then people are just going to be bored of their organic brands. So they would go with random people put questions and tag them. They will answer very funnily or uh, just be creative with it. So that creates that whole, Oh, we're open. We're open to communication. I think that's, that's a huge thing too. It's not just offering value too much, but also opening up dialogue within these brands. So making sure that they are easily approachable. Um, whether you're a small business or a large corporation, right? So if someone customer is talking to you, I think a lot of bigger brands are catching on and they're doing great job as whether it's a support issue or they just want to know about your product or you're trying to create that uh, influence or community vibe is you just have to be open with your communication with them, right? So it's not just offering your problem and solution, but making sure that it opens up a dialogue where people can talk about those problems and also talk about how the solution helped them change their lives or change their day or made them happy for the day, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's, it's great that people are doing that, but it needs to happen at a lot more glamour rate where it's not just you pushing out uh, problems and solutions, but also talking about it and making sure your customers are also talking about it. Yeah, it's a very smart attitude, I think, towards social. Um... And I, and I have seen, I've, you know, you do see some companies like, I, you know, I, I was talking a lot of shit about like these fortune 500 companies, <laughs> but some of them do do quite well, but not, but not enough for the amount of brains and, and degrees. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. 
I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success that's s-u-c-c-e-s-s to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with belay from these ivy league schools that are behind their marketing teams they're definitely not doing enough um so i think that that's a lesson you can learn from some of these smaller companies that are just killing it and you see like you know some of these startups like uh, even before they're venture back to still bootstrap like they're they can blow up on social because they have that access right yeah um one thing you mentioned that I thought would be interesting uh, was marketing uh, during a pandemic and marketing yep. during COVID-19. So what's changed from your point of view, from your customers, what you're doing for your customers, messaging, what's, what's going on? I mean, it has made a huge change because before this pandemic, it was all about how our clients can get into the doors of their customers and get a sale, uh, whether that's through just organic content or paid ads. Now it's more about how can we all together as a community help each other with your branding, your content, your ads, right? So our messaging and everything has changed to how our client's product or service can help someone ease their burden from the COVID and how they're stuck at home or lost their job or something, right? So um, all our copywriting, all everything has basically changed in where we make sure that we're also understanding what people are going through so that we're not trying to come off at just still selling a product or selling a service when people probably won't even have the money for and they're probably in debt or stuff like that. So we're trying to uh, educate our clients to make sure making sure that they're aligned with either organizations that are helping out and giving back and making sure that we're also being smart and lowering their budget because we know that they're not going to get the same results that they were going to get before and making sure that they're allocating their budgets to different sections of marketing. So we're encouraging a lot of them now to do focus on content, right? Because this is where, this is a time where either your business shut down or you're not even getting any services done. So this is a smart time for you to hone down all the content you want to be pushing out, whether it's COVID related or just brand related and making sure that aligns and you're pushing out content because most people now, if they're not working or they're staying at home, guess what? They're plugged to their phones. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be, swiping up the timeline and if your content's constantly showing up you're just putting that behind their back of their head where when service are open up again and we're able to go back to normal you're always going to be they're always going to remember you and probably purchase your product or service and do you think that um do you think that there's a, an extra need to be sensitive right now because of like not just not just changing where the content's going but like the whole messaging i think i think you actually did touch on this but um what have you seen any adverse reactions to people or or, or marketing that's not sensitive uh what are your thoughts on what what that is that going to be something that's going to stick with people long term or are they going to forget about companies that don't sort of alter their marketing strategy 
you think there's going to be like long-term repercussions for people that don't sort of wise up um, during, uh, during like COVID-19 and whatnot? Um, I can probably say it's a yes and no question because yes, if, if, I mean, it depends on how much they're spending or how much uh, attention they're getting. If it's, if we're talking about a small business, I don't think it will affect them that much because they're able to switch up and make changes and go forward where it's a big corporation or a large uh, company, then yes, people are going to remember that. And they're going to attach the feelings that you made them feel with that, whatever campaign it was that in the future, like I know Volkswagen had that one racist video that they were they had like two months ago. I'm like, I, first of all, I'm like, how did that go through how many yeah. <laughs> and get accepted to go publish? Uh, at the same time, you're, you're leaving another pain point from all the other stuff that you've done before. Instead of encouraging people to be as a community and come together, you've decided to harm your reputation or your brand. So that is going to take you how many years? I, I don't even want to think about how many years it's going to take them to bounce back and make it so that that video has never appeared. Um, yeah, well, also, it's yeah. Volkswagen has not had a yeah, like Volkswagen exactly. has had a tough time, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to say the uh, least, man. Hundred um, percent. Do you think? Do you think that the the landscape of marketing and the way that people consume and buy products is going to change uh, permanently? Yes, um, and you we're seeing it today, where all these brick and mortar stores are forced to open up an e-commerce platform, and there's great. Uh, organizations, even here in Toronto, that are doing shop here, where they're giving you free resources to go create an e-commerce platform. I think that is a future. It's, we've already seen the trend even before COVID, and COVID is just helping put a more of an awareness that we're always moving to the online space. So businesses now are being forced to do it, but it's also helping them because now they have less amount of costs and expenditures when all your products are waiting for product or service to be booked online where you can just create a website that's going to cost you free for now, but even in the future, it's going to be super cheap and you can bring your audience, your customers all in one place where they can purchase, learn about you and endorse your product. That makes a lot of sense. Um, now, before I, I want to just go back to a couple of questions, just like about you and, and, and what you've sort of done over your career and what you plan to do. Um, just in terms of like marketing in general, is there anything that you like is like a really hot topic item or, or just like industry uh, thing that you're noticing that we didn't talk about or do we cover a lot of, uh, cover a lot of things you're dealing with right now? Uh, I mean, yes, we did. I think we covered a lot of things that are happening now, especially with, I mean, we, we're telling all our clients even today is just push out content right now. This is the best research you're going to have and you don't have to spend a lot of money on. Mm -hmm. um, you already have a base. Utilize platforms that are nobody's using right now, um, business are not using right now, uh, because it's much cheaper for you to get into today. And make sure that you're always pushing for brand awareness and teaching people about your product or service and how it can help their lives. Because yes, they might not buy it today. Even if you're running an ad campaign, most people don't buy after, after the seventh time they see your ad, right? So same thing with content. It's, they're going to see it. They're going to see it. They're going to see it. But when they need your services, guess what? You've always been at the top of their mind. So they're going to purchase your product or service when they need it. So make mm -hmm. sure that you're always pushing out uh, content in, in those eyes. And whether you don't even have those eyes yet, guess what? Make sure it's shareable. And at that point, you're going to get new eyes regardless. And then I actually did have one more like marketing question. I just thought of it as yep. you were answering that. Um, how does uh, a company 
who uh, considers themselves to be very traditional take yeah. advantage of uh, a new and emerging platform like TikTok? Great question. So basically all these traditional uh, companies, they already have content, right? So it's not like you're going to have to go out there and recreate new content. All you have to do is break up the content you already have into a platform that works. So like TikTok, it's all about vertical videos. So if you had videos, long form videos that you had, you can chop it up and push that content out into TikTok. And um, what I even recommend is, depending on what niche, go search up the hashtags that are going viral in your industry, then make content around that. So even if you're traditional, all you have to do is what are, um, um, let's say you're a hair salon or something like that, right? So all you want to do is you've always had that brick and mortar. You never did anything outside of that. I'll just go on to uh, TikTok, search up a hashtag around hairstyling and see what's trending. Someone might be curling their hair or something like that, and they went viral on that, or they're teaching a new style. So all you do is create a created content around that hashtag with your type of styling and push out that content, right? So it's even for dish, traditional, as long as you have a camera, I mean, most business owners have a camera, whether you're traditional or not, push out content where you record yourself creating that style, push that and put that hashtag and just let it go. And then, see and then I think that I think half of it is just just starting. That's yep. another thing too that people have a hard time doing for some reason. Because <laughs> it's change, and especially yeah. for business owners, they're scared of change because they're used to how business operate, right? So, and I think this COVID is such a big wake up call because they have no choice; they have to change, or their business is going to die. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a good insight. Um, now back to you, uh, back to, you know, what you would like to do or how you want to scale, uh, your business. How, where do you want to take, um, like, you know, I don't, I don't even think I was so bad at me. I didn't mention the name of your uh, agency at the beginning. So it's, it's lion. So did I, okay. I apologize. Um, I couldn't remember, but I just wanted to say, where are you going to take the, the lion agency? Like, where do you want to, where do you want to, where do you want to go with it? How are you going to get there? What's your, what's your five, 10, 15 year plan? Not to, not to sound like, you know, I'm a teacher or something trying to map out your future, but, uh, you know, I'm curious where you take an agency after, you know, it's, it was kind of created and it wasn't when you were in university, it wasn't really your game plan and it's been massively successful to this point. So where do you go now? Good question. So, um, even going into this uh, agency, I knew this was not a long-term thing for me. Uh, it was just a space where I can hone on my skills and make sure that I'm able to deliver things that I promise. But I think in probably in a few years, two to three years, I would want to be in a place where this agency can run without me. So trying to find my replacement in this, uh, in this space of my agency so that I can carry out things I really love to do, which is basically that whole youth aspect is uh, I want to be in a place where I'm able to invest in different uh, youth startups or people, young people that have amazing ideas. I mean, I'm doing that now in just as a side project, but this is something I'd love to do is because there are brilliant minds out there. Um, I've been privileged to do pitch, pitch competition judges and I sit there and I'm like, man, at, at your age, I was probably playing video games and doing stupid things and you're out here uh, trying to change the world. Uh, so th- those are the things I really wanna push forward in the next couple, couple of years. And my 15 year goal, which is something absurd, something I had a dream of being a child was to bring, um, these top level medical clinics in each hemisphere of Africa and make sure it's a border free resource where anyone around those areas are able to utilize those health clinics and make sure that they're well taken care of. So that's a 
goal I've been working on since last year, trying to get into the doors of investors and try to get into the doors of doctors and government officials to see how this can happen, this idea of mine. But you know, it's not, when, you, when, when I speak to you, it's not surprising why you're successful because even though you're, you're living a successful business right now, you still have like your goals mapped out. Like you still know where you want to head. And yep. that's, that's very difficult. Again, it seems so basic if, you, if you're living it, but if you're doing it, but it's so hard for people to do that. But you, like even your 15 year plan, which is incredibly ambitious and obviously an incredible initiative, um, you're taking steps, you're taking micro steps towards that while running an agency, while investing in, or uh, I'm not sure if you're investing, if you, if you actually have equity in s- several startups, but at least you're, you know, you're, you're providing uh, guidance and mentorship for some of these startups um, with the hopes that eventually, like, you know, this will be something that you can do uh, more permanently after somebody takes the reins online. So it's like, it's like setting up that path for success so you know where you want to be. And I think that that's like, if people don't figure that out, if they don't even have some like idea of like what their North Star metric is in 15 years from now, what they want their life to look like, it's very difficult for you to get there because you're not taking all those small little steps along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's great because I think what it's, it's through a lot of, I mean, I read a lot and I think that's where I picked up those pillars like seven habits of being a successful person. Like that's such a great book because it it helped me identify that I knew that this agency wasn't my lifetime thing I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, um, working back. And I always had that dream, but I've always put it aside because I was like, okay, this is too ambitious. Like I don't, it it scares me. And I think I read that quote, if if your dreams Mm -hmm. scare you, then you're on the right path. I was like, you know what? I'm going to see how how much I can get achieved starting from today. Uh, So I've been privileged to talk to uh, the African uh, commissions, like, directors see how uh, free passports uh, border or borderless passports can even be viable in that industry there um, and then even borders of uh, doctors without borders talking to the directors there and seeing okay how can we bring the best of the best to work in these facilities and make sure that they're able to administer um, their professions there so putting those things in, in place I'm able to map out okay how many years is that going to take me um, how many who do I have to contact and getting to those networks so that I'm able to open more doors into that space, right? So I think networking is a huge thing that, I mean, we probably didn't talk about, but I think it's such a huge thing. It's not just saying, hey, how are you? Uh, let's connect, but more like, okay, how can I help you and how can you help me uh, achieve these things we have? And it's, it's, again, it's being about authentic. And I tell them my plan. This is what I want to get done. And I really want you to be in a space where we can change Africa for the future. And just telling them my story, it really helps open doors because I feel like they, they see the value in that and how much we can change the world if we just come together. Can you, if you don't mind, I would love sure. to know more about what that, what, what is it, like you're speaking about planning this out, but what is, what is this, what is the, the project? Like what, how does this actually play out? I'm really curious and it's totally nothing to do with, with marketing, but I, I'm just, it's yeah. an interesting topic. So what's, what is this that you're trying to achieve exactly? For, for Africa? So I, I think for Africa, I just, I just want uh, every resident, every person living in Africa to have the best healthcare ever. I feel like we've, as, as a continent itself, we've been so diminished because of our health status there. So um, even there, because I lived eight years of my life in there since I was born until I was the age of eight, and I've seen it. I still remember the times. Uh, we have not been in the best service there. Luckily, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have a family there that is wealthy enough to 
have the best care, which is private care and going out to uh, countries in the in the Asia space to get their healthcare, not even in the country, right? So that's when that idea came in. And then I, when I come to Canada and see how amazing their healthcare is, I mean, it's not the best, but seeing their healthcare here and I'm like, oh my God, we're missing out. Like imagine what African, Africa can be if everyone was provided the best healthcare possible. So uh, what that really looks like is basically having every country come together. I know it seems impossible because there's so much tensions between every single country in that uh, continent is making sure that they all come together in a way in a way where they open their borders to people because it's not like I can open up a, health, a massive health clinic in each country, which is nearly impossible. But if we're able to have four pillars uh, in those different hemispheres where people from different countries can access them uh, with a simple border, a free Past, but I don't know what that would look like to just get that healthcare they need and they can return to their country. That is basically my end goal there. And to make sure that the governments and the investors pay for that service instead of the people that are actually using that service. And, and how do you actually, and this is obviously you know, a loaded question, but how do you actually get that done? Because there are so many personalities and governments and ideologies in different parts of Africa, well, the world, but just not exclusively Africa. But um, like, how do you get that alignment? Is there, is there something that you've thought through? That's, I just find it yeah, a very okay. interesting concept. I've never heard of anything like that. And it's almost mm -hmm. like, a, like a global, a global healthcare at a at global, like cross, cross border healthcare system. Exactly. Um, so how we get that is also, uh, there's pillars like Africa uh, Commission, which is basically uh, their, United Nations basically mm -hmm. replica of Africa. So every nation comes together, have those meetings, talk about what they need to get done. So that's one pillar there. Going into the, those um, commissions there and addressing this issue and seeing uh, what people are afraid of or what they don't want to happen and getting those resources together and making sure that we're able to build a plan around their, um, their nays and saying, okay, we need to do this or we can't have this because this border doesn't work or stuff like that. So how we can make it work, identify their problems and try to find a solution to them. So, so same thing as in marketing, we identify what problems that they have with the idea and try to address it with them. Then getting involved with WHO, World Health Organization, see um, how we can tap into their networks and help uh, get funding. So whether it's from these uh, first world countries um, or anyone that private investors or not, try to get that in there and see how we can develop that kind of plan where each country agrees to having that. So, I mean, most of it will come down to the countries hosting those, um, those clinics. I mean, they have to take on the burden because again, it's an open border where they come in, mm -hmm. get service, and then they have to be back. So how we coordinate that is the biggest issue there. I think that they're gonna have problems with. So we're addressing that and saying, okay, how can we have a delivery system where they can just cross the border, go straight to the clinic, and go straight back into their country without being able to do anything else. So that is that whole, I know, issue that a lot of people have brought up is like, okay, the security issue is that biggest problem. So how we can create that transportation system is going to be the biggest issue there. Very interesting. Very, very interesting initiative. I wish you a, a ton of luck with that as that sort of, uh, as that sort of progresses, <laughs> because um, I always find like, you know, like it's so nice to see when, when somebody who has some measure of success can then obviously improve outside of their own life and, and really on a global scale. Because of course, there's so many initiatives like in Canada that people need support with. But also, I think that it takes a little bit of extra effort to go 
overseas to go into a region and not just not just pour money not pour pour is a wrong word um, <laughs> give money give money into yeah. something that is a worthy cause but you're like almost like building infrastructure from the ground up in yeah. a place that doesn't have the infrastructure there's no there's no you know cross-border medicine group in africa that you're just going to give them 50 million dollars and say that's that's it you know that's it it's like you're building this from the ground up so it's a, it's an entrepreneurial venture while being also like very altruistic and and yeah it's a very nice thing very well good luck that's it's going to be difficult i can see how there could oh, yeah. be some issues but uh oh, yeah. yeah very interesting again, stuff again if it's not worth having then it's not worth fighting for right so uh, i'm ready for yeah fight. i'm ready for it so we'll see where it takes uh, me exactly yeah no that's all <laughs> listen you have the you have the plan that's all that matters um and you're and you're ambitious and that's that's the second half if you if you're ambitious about something it's incredible what you know what you can actually do that's that is a that is a life lesson like you know you never you never thought that you could build out a marketing agency when you hadn't started it yet but if yeah. you if you literally just put everything you have into it like you said if it doesn't scare you right then it's uh, it's not worth uh going after um Seriously. i like to ask uh i like to ask two questions it's sort of like tee up um, just like your experience. One of them being, and you've kind of already given a ton of these. So, you know, it's a little bit redundant, but you're a smart guy. So you'll think of something else. Um, <laughs> just like one life lesson uh, that you would tell your younger self that can be, you know, agnostic of industry that would help uh, you get to where you are a little bit quicker. Uh, uh, great question. I think I would talk about finding the right mentors and um, just shutting up and listening. I feel like in the world we are today, we all like to talk and we don't like to listen. And when I say listen, listen to understand because these people have been through it. And I can honestly say that even in my younger age, I, I just listened to listen, did not understand what they meant by it. And I made the same mistakes that they told me to avoid, right? So that is, that is such a great aspect that I still tell everyone. I still listen, do that to myself where I would sit down with someone, I don't care where they're from or if they're below me or above me, I'll be like, I'll shut up and listen to your story values and what you're able to um, take out of it and see how I can use that, right? So I think uh, find the right mentors and listening to understand is a huge thing I would have told my younger self, for sure. Very good, very good lessons. Um, uh, resources, like a book, a podcast, an audible, something that you, uh, that you enjoy that would be good for other people to pick up. Great. Uh, great question would be start, uh, start with why. I think especially if you're an entrepreneur, even just someone that's lost in a career path or uh, just in that industry, I think it's such a great book because it helps you identify your pillars of what you really want to accomplish in your life. And that really helped me hone in my, my lifetime plan, what I really want to get done today and what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Uh, so that's such a great book that I enjoy. Um, any podcast such as yourself that is pushing out content that that has value from people is amazing. I mean, every car ride, I know we can't do it now, but every car ride, I would be like blasting podcasts from everyone, right? So because at the end of the day, it's everyone has something to teach. I don't care if you have one one listener or a million listeners, you have something of value. And I'd rather listen to that than listen to music where... I mean, again, music is also another avenue to learn from, but at the same time, podcasts are huge resources for that. So any podcasts, honestly, that are pushing out business knowledge or self-knowledge, huge, huge proponent of that. Uh, what else? Uh, 
I love documentaries. Uh, so I think that's a great way to also learn. Uh, so, I mean, Netflix was a, a power storm of documentaries you can start watching. I know most people don't like it, but it's if you really listen and understand what those documents are trying to teach you, they can, it can be a lot of value there too. Very good. Um, and hundred percent agree. I actually love watching documentaries. I don't like watching like, um, like just like TV for watching TV, but I do like watching, <laughs> I nerd out at some of the stuff too. So, um, and, and last, um, but certainly not least most important, where do people find you get in touch with you? Uh, if they want to contact you, they want to go check out line They want to go check out anything you're working on. What's the best place? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty social. So you can find me on LinkedIn, just searching my name. If you put in any, it'll probably show up there. Not a lot of people have that name. Um, as there, I know my actual name is Hennock, but I haven't heard that ever. It's just, <laughs> um, Henny at this point, so I, yeah, I just go with Henny. Um, same with Instagram, if it's Henny Empower. So if you like to uh, DM me there, I will uh, perfectly respond to that. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching 
my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 